it's like, wow, it has, it has been a minute since we had a five-degree Sunday. <laughs> and it's not even February yet, so I don't know how many more of these uh, we got coming, or, or cold, or snow, but I thank you for being here this Sunday, especially Christmas Day, and uh, to be here with us. And just the, just the cognitive dissonance between outside and inside. So outside, man, it is so cold, everything is frozen. It's frozen, it's rigid, it's hard. You come in here on this Sunday, and people are getting food, and they're talking, and we've got, you know, so we got refreshments, we got the kids uh, getting up on the platform, helping us sing, we got a story for them, and so it's not exactly a normal Sunday, but maybe it is in some ways. I mean, when I first came here 10 years ago, I, I don't know, we were about a month in, and the uh, lobby was no longer as decently in order as it was before I came, and my response was, hey, that's a sign of life. And so praise the Lord, we got kids, that's a sign of life. We've got, you know, they talk, that's a sign of life. Sometimes they cry, that's a sign of life. And, you know, so I'm cool with all of that. And I hope that you will enjoy the day that we have together today, just this moment in time that we've come together to, that you really just come together to adore Jesus. And we want to come and adore him. And so I'm not going to take long, but I do want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 2, second chapter of the book of Hebrews. <clears throat> so not Matthew chapter 2, not Luke chapter 2. But I want us to go a little deeper today, Hebrews chapter 2. And, and if you're here and you're a visitor especially, uh, you need to probably know we're kind of all about the Bible. And we're all about the Bible because what is your only... Real, certain, and sure connection with God in this life. I mean, really, it's the Word of God. You say, well, it's, you know, the Holy Spirit. Yes, but the Holy Spirit only works through the Holy Scriptures to give you a holy connection. And so what had happened was God did a lot of things in history. And I know all the atheists say, well, how come he doesn't make this pulpit levitate for me? Well, you know, he did some other pretty amazing things like coming back from the dead, I'm just saying, and that is recorded in the Bible, so I don't, you know, I don't know what you're asking. It's, it's like, okay, read your Bible, and uh, you'll find out all sorts of things God has to, uh, done that he is doing that he's promising to you today and that are going to happen in the future, and that is kind of what this passage is all about right now. So let me open us up with a word of prayer. We're going to look in Hebrews chapter 2. Father, I thank you again today. I thank you for the life that you've given us. I thank you for the life in this church. Got so many churches today. They don't have life. They don't have young people. They don't have young couples with young kids. They, they don't have the, the vitality of training a new generation in really the only thing that is going to rescue them, the only thing that is going to save them. And our society has so turned its back on you in so many ways. God, we need a church. We need churches, but we need this church to be a place. We're going to take the word of God to the people of God so that they can do a great thing for you because the thing you're going to bless is when we're operating according to your word. So God, speak to us today on this Christmas Sunday. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So praise the Lord. You know, as uh, if you... Uh, uh, keep up with me over the next week or so. I'm going to be putting some stuff out about how to read your Bible better. 
in 2023. Everybody, you know, a lot of churches talk about reading your Bible at the beginning of a year. Well, you know, why don't we read the Bible through in a year? And then you get to Leviticus, and that's kind of the end of that. And so, so I want to I wanna give you some things on how to read the Bible better, and I'll, I'll put some stuff, you know, uh, fo- fo- follow me on Facebook, like me on Instagram, um, and, I'll, you know, I'll put some, I, I will mention it also, I'm sure, in church, but I'll put some stuff up there. So Hebrews chapter 2, you know, one of the most iconic things about Christmas is the appearance of angels, not elves, angels. You know, they got a really good, funny movie called Elf. We kind of need one called Angel, and told from their perspective, maybe, because Gabriel is sent to Zacharias, Luke 1.19, and then he's sent to Mary in verse 26, and then the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph, Matthew 1.20, and then to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, where he is joined by a multitude of the heavenly hosts who are all there to praise God at the birth of Jesus Christ. And yet... Here in Hebrews chapter 2, look at verse 5. It says, For unto the angels hath God not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. So in Hebrews chapter 1, Paul is speaking uh, about Christ inheriting the kingdom. And so now in chapter 2, he says, But you know, angels are not going to rule in kingdom come. Jesus is. But now watch the connection he's going to make, because to prove this, Paul starts quoting David to the Hebrews here in verse 6, and he's quoting Psalm 8. He says, but one in a certain place testified, saying, what is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? And you know, those are two good questions, so much so that the astronauts left a time capsule on the moon with those words. And Job asks it this way in Job 7, verse 17, What is man that thou shouldest magnify him, and that thou shouldest set thine heart upon him, and that thou shouldest visit him every morning and try him every moment? God, what is up with you doing that? Why do you even pay attention to us? I mean, God is self-existent from eternity, and he is so almighty, he can fill the universe without being part of it. So the biblical view of man is something that we all need to understand. So here is our thesis for today's study. You will never understand man until you know Jesus, and you will never know God until you understand Jesus. So you have to see Jesus both to know God and to understand man. And this is because Jesus was God in human flesh, and at the same moment, Jesus was the only perfect man. So Hebrews chapter 2 tells us three things about Jesus, and in these three things, you are going to understand why Christmas and why should you come before God today and why should you adore Jesus Well, first off, notice, if you will, this is number one. Notice how when humanity was created, we were crowned with glory. Verse 7, thou madest man a little lower than the angels. 
And yet thou crownest him with glory and honor and didst set him over the works of thy hands, not angels. So humanity was designed with dignity and Adam in his original commission was designed for dominion and Adam was given a crown because he was meant to rule God's kingdom. But then second, second, on the other hand, this number two, the humans who were crowned with glory are now charged with guilt. Verse eight, thou hast put all things in subjection under man's feet for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. And yet, but now we see not yet all things put under him. Why? What went wrong? How come we are not in control? How come we cannot control ourselves? How come we cannot control humanity? How come we cannot control countries? How come we cannot control war after we've had it so many times and it keeps getting so much more gruesome? How come we cannot control peace on earth? How come we cannot control what is happening? How come? I mean, we were supposed to have dominion and we were supposed to use the dominion that we blame God for not using whenever we see turmoil on earth and we see tragedy in life. So something interrupted God's original commission for humanity. And that is because God's divine design was marred by our sin. God gave us an unfettered free will to love him. And yet we chose to rebel against him. And we talked about that interplay of choice and responsibility last Sunday. So what David tells us and what Job affirms is how God is allowing this universal drama of sin, death, and redemption to be worked out in the smallest spot possible. In other words, on the third rock from a very unremarkable sun at the end of an S-shaped arm in kind of a milky galaxy at the backside of the universe. And if anything is apparent these holidays, it is that human beings have lost our dignity and corrupted our design. So our world is filled with depravity, with disease, with death, because we lost our divine dominion no longer fit for fellowship with God. It looked really bad 2,000 years ago. I mean, it looked like lights out 2,000 years ago. But in the final analysis, and the most important thing for you to see today, and this number three, is how any human who is willing can be changed by God's grace. That's verse nine. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Amazing grace. This is Christmas. Adam lost our dominion because he delivered it over to Satan. Then Satan met Jesus and offered him all the world's kingdoms if Jesus would just bow and worship him. Luke chapter 4, verses 5 to 7. But that is not the way Jesus was going to redeem the dominion. And so Jesus was made a little lower than the angels when he was born in Bethlehem, becoming fully human like us. 
And because he suffered death for our sins and he rose from the grave, he is now magnified as human to regain our lost dominion and to give birth to a whole new race of people by faith in him. So when you trust Jesus for everlasting life today, at that moment of faith in his finished work, you are born again. And it's a shame how many places today that call themselves churches that you will not hear that gospel, you will not hear that good news. But 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says, being born again, we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, because we're born again by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Being born again, you are a child of God. You are part of the family of God. God is your heavenly father. Jesus is your elder brother. Jesus is called our captain in verse 10. We are called his brethren in verse 11. And so to get saved, you die in Christ and you transfer families from Adam to Christ, and you're now alive by his life. And do not let anyone make you believe that salvation is only for the elect, because the context here is Adam's race, Adam's whole race, verses 6 and 7. And since verse 9 says, Jesus tasted death for how many? Every man. That means as soon as you believe, you're one of the elect. Hello, somebody. As soon as you believe, you are one of the elect. The many which Jesus gave himself a ransom for is all men, according to 1 Timothy 2, verses 4 to 6. And it's just simple English Bible exegesis. So you may be limited in your understanding of the Bible, but there is no such thing in the Bible as a limited atonement. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. Join us for our survey of theology on Saturday morning, starting January 14th. It's one of our Bible Institute classes. You don't have to take it for credit. If you don't want to, you can just come out. But do not allow anyone to whittle your God down so small that his sovereignty is somehow inhibited by your unfettered free will. The Muslims do that. Oh, Jesus couldn't have been born the son of God. God cannot have a son. Oh, that's disgraceful. I mean, we can't even think of that. We can't even consider that. It's not logical to us or to the Jehovah's Witnesses or many other cult groups that, you know, Jesus could be man and could be God because God can't do that. Oh, no, I think, I think my God is so big, he can create a rock so big he can't move it and still be God. So your will is not bound. That does not thwart God. It magnifies his power as the most humble being in this universe. The infinite, after all, became an infant, so he doesn't have any problem with your free will. The Lord of glory became lower than the angels all the way down to us. From the throne of the universe to a manger in Bethlehem, but if you want to see the elect, if you do want to see the elect, they're not in verse 9, they're in verse 10. Watch. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory. That's the elect. Once you get saved, you're part of the elect. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. 
So the work of his death is unlimited, but the work to bring you to glory with him, that's limited by your choice to trust him for eternal life this morning. And not every man trusts Jesus for everlasting life and gets born again, but many do. Many do. They receive him as the captain of their salvation, and they become sons of God. John chapter 1, verse 12. He became a man that he might suffer, but no man suffered as much as Jesus because he was holy God suffering for your sin. And that word perfect there in verse 10, it does not mean sinless because he was already all of that. It means by suffering, he was made complete. He was made complete by learning obedience through that suffering, verse 8. That is how sovereign my God is. He learned obedience as a man so that he could experience it as God. Now watch, watch. He suffered for sin, but he also subdued the devil, verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. The dominion was legally lost, so it had to be righteously regained. Therefore, as a man, King Jesus disarmed and defeated the devil. And because of Christmas, we no longer have to fear death. I mean, we normally give props to Easter and, you know, the resurrection. We need to give props to Christmas. We need to give pride. I don't care if it wasn't December 25th, we need to give props at the birth of Jesus. What a gift. He destroyed the devil, verse 15 says, that he might deliver them, who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage, bondage to sin, bondage to death by sin. And I no longer have to fear death because there was a baby who was born, who died and rose again, and I can be born again in him. That is knowing man and knowing God at Christmas. Go back up with me to verse 11. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. I'm a human being. I can never please a holy God, but my Savior is Jesus, and he became a human being also 2,000 years ago at Christmas. And I can be sanctified. I can be changed by God's grace because he and I are one due to my faith in him. 1 Corinthians 15, I think it's there on your handout, verses 21 and 22, for since by man came death. One man, Adam, death entered the human race. By man also came the resurrection of the dead, eternal life, everlasting life after death. For as in Adam all die, if you're in Adam, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So there are really only two men who ever lived. One was Adam, the other is Jesus. And you understand humanity when you recognize that every human being, including you, including you, is either in Adam or you are in Christ. Who are you in this Christmas day? 
You only understand God when you recognize Jesus has not yet received his earthly crown because he wanted to be born as a human being, die for your sins and come back from the grave so that you could choose to join him. But will you get the crown when he returns in glory? Are you going to be reigning with him, restored to God's original plan? You know, this is, this is about the time we start getting tired even at Christmas. Especially on a, you know, weekend like this, because Sunday is, you know, Christmas Day is on, on a Sunday, and so we had Christmas Eve on a Saturday, and... Uh, a lot of churches, not ours, but a lot of churches had Christmas Eve services and some people open their presents because you know kids can't wait. So they open them on Saturday and, and um, then some of them will be open. And we're about tired of it by now. I mean, it's, it's like, oh, okay, this, uh, this is good, but maybe it's too much of a good thing. And uh, we've been to parties to no end. There are so many dinners. We've eaten so much. And my goal, was, uh, my goal was to lose 10 pounds. I've only got 15 to go. <laughs> and it's just a tiring time. About, you know, a few years ago, a preacher fell asleep in his study while he was preparing for Christmas sermon. And he started dreaming and he was looking, you know, he was looking through his house and there was no tree, there was no stockings, there were no presents. And he thought, well, you know, that's odd. And he walked out the door to walk down the street. There was no lights any place there was no evidence of Christmas, and from his house, he could look across and see the church, and there was, there was no spire on the building, and, and the building was just kind of nondescript, and, and he went back in, and he went to his library to find a book on Jesus, and yet every book on Christ had disappeared out of his library. Well, then his doorbell rang, and a man came and said, look, you need to come with me. My wife is dying, and she's asked for a pastor. And so he rushed to the hospital, and I mean, he could tell that, that she was dying, and so he opened his Bible, but it ended at Malachi. I mean, it ended at Malachi. There were no Gospels after that. There was no New Testament. There were no words of salvation. There was no promise of hope. And he started to cry, and two days later, he was at her graveside to conduct her funeral, but there was no words of hope, no words of comfort about the resurrection. There was no second coming. There was no home in heaven. Uh, there, there was no let your heart not be troubled. There was only ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And then he burst into tears sobbing, and right at that moment, he awoke with a start, and he was in his study, not at home, but at the church. And the thing that woke him up was the choir because they had come into practice. And as they begin to rehearse, they sang, Oh, come, all you faithful. Here's how I want you to come, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come. Let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Who? Christ the Lord. Don't you want to be in Christ today? You can be, just like it was an act of Adam's free will that plunged our whole race into sin and death. You can make the free choice today to trust in Jesus and that gets you in a new race of humanity because that gets you everlasting life. 
John chapter 6, verse 40 says, and this is the will. Jesus says, this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I want to thank you that one day, because of Jesus, all things are going to be put under your feet. Because we will put our feet where you put yours. And because of that, Satan himself will be bruised under our feet. Romans 16, verse 20. And it will happen all because of Christmas. As a man you suffered, as a man you bled, as a man you died, we believe, Jesus, that you are very God of very God. But, oh Lord, we thank you for Bethlehem. We thank you for your humiliation. We thank you for your crucifixion. We thank you for your resurrection. And we thank you for your ascension. And God, today we thank you for your great grace. I'm wondering, will you give thanks to the Lord Jesus today by receiving that grace in him? You can receive the grace of God for salvation, forgiving your sins if you receive it in Christ, if you receive Christ. I mean, it's not just that it's not a matter of good works. It's not just it's not a matter of religious works. Man, you can't do any work to get you to heaven. No work inside church or outside church. Christ did all the work for you on the cross, but you've got to trust in that. You've got to believe that and trust in him. You cannot despise that and think God will welcome you into his heaven. It just doesn't happen. You need a new life. If you're here and you're honest, you know. You'd say, Alan, I don't know how you knew I was going to be here today, but you're preaching directly at me. And, and, and Alan, if I were honest, I would admit, wow, there are things I'm so ashamed of. There's stuff in my past that's still messing with me now. I got I to gotta take medications because of it. I got to go through therapy because of it. And Lord, none of that's really helping. I want to be free of it. I want to be free. I want to be unbound today, unbound from sin, unbound from that debt, unbound from the fear of death. I want to trust Jesus today for everlasting life. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So if you want to receive Jesus today, all you've got to do is pray. I mean, it doesn't matter, young or old, child or adult, just pray in your heart right now and say, Jesus, I give you my life. God, save me today for Jesus' sake because I am trusting him. So make me born again today by your Holy Spirit. Take your Holy Scripture that I've heard today, put that, that seed with the Holy Spirit to bring new life in my soul because of my faith in the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Jesus, enter my life right now and save me. Amen.